0: The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gam Podcast tonight are now presented by Edge Boost. Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to slash Edge to get started today. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Cam with Podcast from the Sports cam Podcast Network. It is currently late Monday night, June 5th, and I'm Rosso with Scott Rochelle once again going solo for this pod. Should be a fun one because we are up to the quarterfinals in the French Open, and as a result, we do have four matches to go through in this episode. We'll be going through all of them, so strap in and get ready for some high-quality tennis matches, and we're going to be looking forward to how they play out. But... Before I actually get into any of the previews for the four matches, do you want to recap how we did on the last episode? Overall, decent. I'd say the leans weren't the greatest, but we did end up splitting the lock and dog picks. Did win the lock with the under in the Djokovic-Varias match at 28 and a half. That was really never in doubt. Varias completely was either out of gas or just didn't have enough weapons to handle Djokovic. Djokovic buried him, and he ended up going under the total while also covering his personal spread. So overall... A nice win there on the lock. And for the dog ended up losing, we had Jari to win and each player to win a set in that matchup against rude and the three sets were competitive but unfortunately rude did win all three sets so ended up losing the dog there either way though ended up winning the lock so it could have been worse but we will look for a sweep here in the quarterfinals but before we get into any of the quarterfinals stuff do want to briefly recap my takeaways for some of the matches in the fourth round starting off with the takeaways from the sunday matches Alcaraz really, really, really good. Really, nothing else to add there. I thought Musetti was, was playing great tennis going in, and then Alcaraz showed up and buried him. So I think that Alcaraz definitely shown himself to be the class of the field, which makes sense because, of course, he was the pre-tournament favorite in this event. But the point is, Alcaraz has looked very good and so is Djokovic, but Djokovic has had a couple of sets that were wars, and Alcaraz, for the most part, besides one drop set to Taro Daniel, has looked very comfortable throughout most of his tournament run. But looking at to the other matches, uh, Tsitsipas had a bit of a sweat in the first set, winning 7-5, but then he crushed Offner. I thought that would happen, and Kishanov did win in four sets. Unfortunately, the game over did not get there because he had two separate 6-1 sets, but I thought Kashanov would win in four or five and he did so we ended up having a pretty good outright episode for the quarters a while back because we have Kashanov and Djokovic so we automatically win one of the quarters we also have Rune as a winner of the other corner uh quarter we also have Alcaraz as another quarter win and unfortunately struck out there with uh, Zverev and Echeverry so overall it could turn into a very profitable episode or I should say Ah, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday for us, if the guys we bet on to win the quarters actually come through. But either way, my main, my main takeaways for Sunday: the cream ended up rising to the top. You had no upsets. Djokovic, Alcaraz, and Sitsipas won comfortably. And then moving into the Monday card, you had a pretty interesting day of tennis because you ended up having the five-set war between Rune and Cerundolo, uh, which Rune eventually won 10-7 in the super breaker. Uh, Besides that, though, every other match was in straight sets. Rude won in straight sets, which was surprising. But once again, each three sets were competitive, 7-6, 7-5, 7-5. Then you had Echeverry, who ended up beating Nishioka. Nishioka was off a five-setter against Seabolt Wild. First set was competitive at 7-6, 10-8 in the breaker. And then Nishioka had absolutely nothing left in the tank. And he ended up winning one game in the final two sets combined. So Echeverry ended up dominating the final two sets, and then you had one of the surprises of the uh, actual fourth round, which was how badly Zverev destroyed Dimitrov. I thought Dimitrov might have had value based on where the line was located, and I also thought that you could make an argument that Dimitrov had a shot to make this match either extremely competitive or potentially win the match. That was not the case. It was a classic Dimitrov implosion, where he looked really good in the previous couple rounds, and then he got buried, and now Zverev is into the quarters once again. So overall, not many surprising takeaways. Rude beating Jari wasn't a total shock, but winning in straight sets was relatively surprising. The Rude match I thought would be competitive, but I thought sorry the Rune match that would be competitive, which it was. But Rune ended up winning, and besides that, Zverev ended up making it back, which was a little bit surprising. But he was a minus two hundred favorite, and Echeverry did beat Nishioka in what was one close set and then two blowout sets. So overall, pretty interesting fourth round. But now it's time to actually get into the quarterfinals. Once we talk about one of the Pieces of drama that went on over the course of the last couple of days. I'm sure you kind of figured out the format up to this point where I'm going to be going through some of the matches from the previous round. Then I'll get into some type of news story or something that happened in uh, tennis that took place that I feel like needs to be talked about. So as a result, we are going to be talking about one story that took place, which was talked about somewhat on Twitter. But you had to actually kind of dig deeper into it because if you did not pay attention to it, you wouldn't have found it. So this drama happened a couple days ago in women's doubles in the French Open. And you had a doubles team of Buscova with Cerebus Tormo. And this was a very, very controversial situation which happened because of the fact that you ended up having a victory by default. And to go through the actual story, Uh, You ended up having one team uh, winning in the course of a match, and then you ended up seeing a ball girl get hit in the face. Now, was it intentional? No, it was definitely not intentional, but the ball girl got hit in the face, and the chair umpire ended up giving the other team... Sorry, apologies. So Buskova did win the first set with her partner. They were down 3-1 in the second set. So it was 30-30... And the other team had just missed a shot. And Kato Sue, sorry, I don't want to butcher this pronunciation here. So the actual team was Kato and Sujiati. So one of the two of them ended up hitting a ball after the point was over, kind of just like putting away a backhand, just hitting it. And the player accidentally hit a ball person in the face. Now, it wasn't intentional. It didn't seem like it was that big of a deal and the chair umpire noticed it and gave that team a warning. So you're like, okay, a warning, that sounds fair. You know, it wasn't anything that extreme. The ball person was crying, but it wasn't intentional. It didn't seem like it was that big of a deal. Then Buskova and Soribus Tormo complained to the chair umpire and demanded that their opponents would be defaulted, I should say would have to forfeit, for hitting the ball person, and the ball person was crying. So they ended up calling the supervisor over to discuss it with the chair umpire person, and they decided to force Kato and Sugiati to uh basically forfeit the match, and Buscovas and Cerebus Tormo won by uh default. So that was a huge story a couple of days ago in the tennis world. Once again, you had to kind of dig through the weeds because why would anybody ever pay attention to these uh, women's tennis players in doubles? Because I'm sure most of you didn't even realize they were two uh, doubles teams. I never heard of Kato or Sujiati. Buscova, I've heard of her singles. A Cerebus Tormo, maybe a little bit in singles, but I never knew that they were a doubles team, for example. But the point is, you ended up having drama because I thought the chair empire got it right. First things first, I just thought that it was a pretty fair warning. It wasn't intentional. Didn't seem like it was really any malice in the actual shot itself or the act. And the next thing you know, the teams are the other team is being—I don't want to say a sore loser because they were winning, but they were being unsportsmanlike and demanded that the other team would be disqualified, which I thought was a bunch of nonsense. But either way, uh, it ended up happening that way, and Buscova and Cerebus Tormo ended up advancing into the next round. Most people now are just actively rooting against them, and I think it's pretty fair. I think it's a pretty scummy way to win, but on the other hand, you can make an argument that, well, the other team still should not have hit a ball at a ball person. It wasn't intentional. I wouldn't compare it exactly to the Djokovic situation in the the, uh, the, uh, U.S. Open a couple years ago, but either way, the point is, it was... A little bit weird and i thought it was worth talking about but the buscova way and they handled it very very scummy and i wanted to discuss it but either way time to actually get into the previews for the uh quarterfinals here in the french open so starting off with the matches taking place on tuesday the early matchup involves K- uh, a against djokovic Djokovic is a massive favorite at around minus 1400. Uh, Kashanov is plus 25 the other way. So that definitely makes it seem like Djokovic should dominate. Uh, looking at the actual spread here, Djokovic is minus seven and a half games. Kashanov is plus seven and a half. And the over under for the actual games in the match is 32 and a half. Kashanov to win a set in this match is minus 103. Djokovic to win in straight sets is minus 127. And to look at the over-under here for 3.5 games, it's at minus 105. Under 3.5 is minus 125. And if you think it does end up going to five sets, you can get that at plus 375. But to look quickly at the Djokovic uh, head-to-head matches against Koshanov, by no shock, you see Djokovic dominating in the head-to-head. And he's winning 8-1 to in the head-to-head. And Kishanov's only win came back in 2018 on hard court. They did face off one time, or sorry, two times on clay, faced off in the French Open back in 2020. Djokovic won straight sets, and they faced off in Belgrade in Djokovic's home country, and that actually ended up going to three sets in 2022. Djokovic lost the first set and dominated the final two sets in route to a nice win. So do I think Djokovic is going to lose in this match? No. However, he has had a couple of difficult three-set matches, mostly against Fakina, where he should have lost at least one set that was an absolute war, but either way, the point is when you're looking at the overall matchups here, Djokovic has done very well historically. There have not been many close sets, and I do think that Djokovic, once again, should be able to get the job done. Now, do I think seven and a half games is fair? It seems pretty fair to me. We saw kashanov lose a set yesterday, 6-1, or sorry, earlier, uh, yeah, it was yesterday, 6-1 to Sonigo. So we know that Kashanov is capable of getting blown out in individual sets, and Djokovic is definitely capable of dominating a set if he's given the opportunity. Now, I do think this match will be competitive early on. From what I've seen from Djokovic so far in this event, it does seem like Djokovic is a bit of a slow starter, or at least the first sets have been quite competitive, and then Djokovic slowly wears down the opponents over time. At least that's what I've noticed when I've been watching uh, his matches so far in this tournament. But the point is, I do think at the end of the day, when you're looking at how these guys match up, Djokovic should win in three or four sets. But I do think that if you want to make an argument that you will end up seeing Kishanov potentially pull off an upset, I'm not going to make that argument. I don't see that being the case. But I do think at the end of the day, when you're looking at how this match plays out, I think Koshanov hangs around for a set. Djokovic settles in, and you see Kishanov start to slowly but surely hit more unforced errors, and Djokovic ends up winning this match probably in straight sets. It would not shock me if the first setter did go to like a tiebreaker or something, or maybe a 6-4, and then the match slowly opens up after that. But I do think for the sake of this overall matchup here, I do think I'm going to lean to the under in this one. Once again, you might get one competitive set, but I do think Djokovic, over the course of this match, will wear down Koshanov. Djokovic did what I thought he would do last match against Farias, which was take care of an inferior opponent in under two hours, rest the legs, rest the body, and stay uh, rested and healthy moving forward. And Koshanov did have a four-setter against Sonigo, which, was once again, wasn't that much of a sweat for him. He did have a bit of a nerve-wracking tiebreaker, which he won but I do think Djokovic wins this match, and I do think he probably wins it in straight sets. But you might end up seeing a couple of 6-4s in there. So I think for the sake of the actual spread and total games, I think I will lean to the under at 33 and half games at minus 125. That way you are covered in case of a 7-6, 6-4, 6-4 type of situation. But I do think at the end of the day, Djokovic will get the job done. Now moving on to the... Uh, Next matchup here, you have a matchup between Paz and Alcaraz, and Alcaraz is minus six and a half games at roughly plus 102. Paz the other way is plus six and a half games at minus 122. Alcaraz money line is minus 450. Paz money line is plus 360. For the games, it's over under 35 and a half at minus 110 on each side. And besides that, you can get some alternative lines. Alcaraz minus five and a half games is minus 140. Paz plus five and a half games is plus 110 and you can also get yourself some odds on Tsitsipas to win a set, which you can get at minus 155. Alcaraz to win in straight sets is plus 125. Now, the head-to-head has been very, very one-sided. Alcarez has owned Tsitsipas in their careers. That was not even just a last-second thing where Alcaraz became a top-five player in the world, and suddenly Sitsipas couldn't beat him. Even when he was slowly but surely climbing, Tsitsipas could never beat him. So I do think that at the end of the day, you will see Alcaraz look pretty comfortable throughout the course of this match. Now, is it possible Tsitsipas takes a set? Maybe, but Alcaraz is 4-0 in the head-to-head, and they faced off twice on clay. It was competitive in Barcelona in 2022, but they played again in 2023, and Barcelona beat him in the final 6-3, 6-4. At first glance, I do think there is some value on Alcaraz straight sets at plus 125. Because once again, we saw him beat Sitsipas earlier this year on clay, and it was relatively comfortable. And I do think that, once again, you're getting the guy who dominated Musetti last round, a guy who's looked like the best player in the entire field so far this tournament. And even though Sitsipas has looked good, too, in this event, I do acknowledge that Alcarez, with his speed and his ability to really overpower his opponents with his powerful forehand and his backhand, and he occasionally can sprinkle in some topspin stuff. I think it's going to cause Sissipas' backhand some problems. Sissipas' serve can also be a little bit iffy at times, but I do think that Sissipas will hit some untimely unforced errors, and Alcaraz will probably win this match in straight sets. But I really do like the value at plus 125 on him to win in straight sets, so I am going to give that out as my favorite play in this match. If you want to play it safe for Alcaraz, minus 5.5 games, and minus 140 is pretty tempting because I do think that once again, Sitsi Paz can get blown out in a set. Maybe Sitsi Paz loses focus, gets broken early, and kind of rolls over and throws in the towel. And you see Alcaraz dominate a set six two or something like that. I can see it, but I do think at the end of the day, this will be a fun match. But I think Alcaraz gets it done probably in three sets. But moving on to the next two games, which are matches which will be taking place on Wednesday. For starters, you don't exactly know the actual times for these matches, so I'll assume that Zverev and Echeverry will be the first match, because Rune Rude will probably be the second match, if I had to guess. So, looking at the odds here, Zverev is obviously the favorite at minus 310. You have Echeverry the other way at around plus 260. Zverev minus 5.5 games is minus 117. Echeverry plus 5 games is minus 105. Over-under is at 36 and a half. Now, to look at The overall head-to-head between these players as I quickly just pull that up. Uh, Sorry, just bear with me for a second. Uh, So looking at the head-to-head matches here. Sorry, just uh, pulling it up. Uh, Okay, I I got it. So the head-to-head here, they've never played. So that was anticlimactic. But yeah, they've never faced off against each other. So you can make an argument that anything could really happen here because Echeverry has looked really good in this event and Zverev is off of a very impressive win against Dimitrov. Having said that, I do acknowledge how good Echeverry has looked, and I am wondering if Zverev should be laying this many games. Now, the counter-argument is he just beat Dimitrov, Dimitrov was playing really good tennis, and Zverev beat him comfortably. So is Zverev probably going to win this match? Yes, I'm not picking Echeverry to win. Do I think that Echeverry can win a set? Yes, I'm not saying I think Zverev's going to coast, but I do think Zverev is just a little bit more well-rounded, and I do think that he hits less unforced errors than Echeverry, so I do think that if the the rallies become longer, that might end up benefiting Zverev over the course of this match. But I do think, when you're looking at some potential value here, I do think that Zverev to win the match and each player to win a set at plus 130 is worth a look. Because I do think Echeverry is going to have moments in this match, but I just think that Zverev is a little bit too fundamentally sound. I'm not picking Zverev to win the tournament, so of course I'm not saying that he's going to look insanely dominant for the rest of the tournament. But for this matchup, I think it's a pretty good matchup for Zverev. Echeverry doesn't have a great serve, it's fine. But I do think that Zverev is going to look comfortable here, and I think that he'll be able to get it done So I will actually lean to Zverev to win the match. I'm not going to pick Echeverry on the money line. I know it's plus 260, but still, I think Zverev wins it. But give me Zverev to win the match and each player to win a set at plus 130. I think Echeverry sneaks through maybe in a breaker to win one set. But moving on to the final match, it's going to be a fun one, which will be between Rude and Rune. Arguably the best match of the round. You can argue that maybe Czifas and Alcaraz is better if you think Czifas can make it in, can make it competitive. But Rude and Rune have a bit of a rivalry because they faced off in the French Open last year, which Rude won. Then they faced off in uh, a tournament leading up to the French Open, and Rune was able to win that one, coming back from one set down and Rude is actually up a break in the second set in Rome, but Rune ended up coming back, and Rude kind of fell apart there in the third set. Now, to look at the actual odds for this matchup, Rude is a slight favorite at minus 130. Rune is a 110. Over-under is a 39, and you can find uh, everything else basically suggesting a war. Over three and a half sets is at minus 200. No complaints from me. I think you'll see a marathon match here. Now, I do understand why Rude is the favorite because I know he beat him in the French Open last year, but the argument is fatigue because Rude was able to beat Jari in straight sets in the fourth round. Now it was competitive, but it was still three sets. Rune had an, had a war against Surundalo, where he was on the court for a really, really, really long time. And the question is can Rune recover physically to overcome the potential fatigue with one day off after having a three-hour and uh, 59-minute match in the fourth round. And to answer your question, I think Rune is going to look okay, but I do question if he will look completely 100% because it took a lot of energy to come back in that fifth set. It looked like he was potentially going to lose, and then he ended up rallying out of some hole and ended up winning the breaker. But Rude, for comparison, was on the court for... Uh, three hours and 20 minutes. So even though uh, Rune was on the court for two more sets, he was only on the court for 39 more minutes, which I do think suggests that the length here for each match is misleading. And I do think that does suggest that uh, Rune is not going to be at as big of a disadvantage as you might think because the scoreboard would suggest that Rune uh, is going to be exhausted. But Rude was on the court for a long time, too, and he ended up getting it done. So I do think that even though Rune has some potential fatigue concerns, you can argue Rude might have the same concerns, maybe not to the same extreme degree, but still, fatigue might be a bit of an issue for him in this match. Now, having said that, who am I picking to win? I think I'm going to go with Rude. Now, I know Rune... We gave out to win the quarter. But I do think that Rude has looked... I don't want to say more comfortable in this tournament because I have to at least point out that Rune looked pretty good in his own right. But I at least have to point out that Rune, following a five-setter where he's had a history of leg injuries and cramping, it's not a great spot. Rude had Rune basically dead to rights in Rome and then let him off the hook when he was up a break in the second set. So I do think that Rude being favored actually makes sense. Rune's feels like a little bit of a trap line here, because once again, he was only on the court for 39 more minutes than Rude, and yet he just beat him a couple weeks ago, and Rude's favored now. So I do think that it's pretty telling that Rune's a dog in the spot. I think I'm going to lean to Rude. I think it's going to be a fun match, probably four or five sets, but I am going to go with Rude to get it done as a favorite, I think it's pretty fascinating that Rude is favored despite losing to this exact same opponent a couple of weeks ago. Then again, we just saw this with Jari, where Jari beat Rude. Rude was favored in the French open anyway, and Rude won in straight sets. So give me Rude to get the job done on the money line. And I do think that he will be able to win with probably each player winning a set as well. I think you can tell after winning that uh I don't want to say Vare's play, but the same idea of a guy losing a set and winning the match anyway, there might be a little bit of extra value on it. I don't think Rude's going to win in straight sets, but I do think he will be able to get the job done in probably four or five. But that's going to wrap it up for the actual preview of the four quarterfinal matches on the men's side. Now it's time for the walk and Dog Picks. But before we actually do that, kind of a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by EdgeBoost. EdgeBoost is the world's first bet now, pay later Visa card. Edge currently offers $2,500 in betting advances, which you can use as an extremely valuable tool. Imagine what you can do with an increased bankroll get down on some of your favorite futures without tying up your bankroll for months. Double down on a favorite bet that you like, or even use the opportunity to create a great middle or even hedge opportunity. Edge Boost isn't some sleazy loan shark as they charge 0% interest. Do you know of another way to access more money to place on your favorite bets without paying any interest? Edge Boost can be a part of a responsible gambling plan as you can set up daily, weekly, or even monthly limits all across your betting accounts in one place. Support SGPN and grow your bankroll by going to slash edge to sign up. SportsCampPodcast.com slash Edge. Must be 21 years or older to use. Problem Gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes, plus plenty of other ways to win in the NBA, the NHL, and the MLB with their player prop parlays. Head over to fantasy.com. And use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. It's like promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the four matches in the men's quarterfinals of the French Open. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. Starting off with the lock for the show, I think I'm actually going to go back to the match we just talked about between Rude and Rune. I'm going to take Rude. On the money line, at minus 125, which I found on Bet365, I find this line fascinating, and it seems very, very trappy because Rune just beat Rude in Rome right before the French Open. But yet, Rude is still favored, and I do think that's pretty uh, suggestive, at least to me, that Rune is going to be attracting a lot of public money, but the Sharps might be on Rude. I'm going to be on Rude because Rude did beat him in the French Open last year, and even though Rune... Has that success on clay? He does. He really hasn't had that many insanely impressive showings in three out of five matches. Three out of five set matches. He made the quarters of the French Open last year. Then Rude. Then Rude beat him. But most of Rune's success has come in two out of three sets. We saw him, for example, choke that match against Rublev in the Australian Open. Rune has has been very very good in his young career. But I do question if he's fully ready. To go for a three out of five set match after going to the brink in a three out of five set match in the previous round. I think fatigue's going to play a factor. I think Rude will be able to eventually wear him down. And I think Rude probably wins once again in four or five. If you want to end up taking Rude to win and each player to win a set, you can find that at plus 175. But maybe there's a chance that Rune's injured or he gets banged up after having to play that much tennis in. The last round, maybe retirement's in order. Once again, probably not, but I do like the insurance policy of getting a win if the other guy quits. But I do like Rude on the money line at minus 130. It does, once again, seem extremely interesting to me that Rune just beat him and he's an underdog. So I think it's pretty telling. Give me Rude to beat him and get revenge in this three to five set match at minus 125. And the dog for the show will be in that Alcarez and Pass match. Give me Alcaraz to win in straight sets. And you can find that at plus 137 on Bet365. Simply put, Sissipas can't beat him. He's uh, 0-4 against Alcaraz. Alcaraz beat him on clay earlier this year, 6-4, 6-3. I know Sitsipas has been good, but Alcaraz is another animal, and Alcaraz, when he's on, is borderline unbeatable, especially in this tournament because Djokovic is the only guy who can potentially stand up to him, and they're in line to face off in the semifinals. But the point is, until Sitsipas actually shows me anything – against Alcaraz in terms of success. I'm not going to assume he suddenly shows up and has success against Alcaraz. Their most competitive match came in the French Open of 2021 when Alcaraz was kind of bursting onto the scene and Alcaraz beat him in five. Since then, Tsitsipas has only won one set in the final three matchups, And the sets that Alcaraz has won have been pretty comfortable. So I do think that Alcaraz probably gets it done in straight sets. You might have a tiebreaker. So maybe it'll be competitive at some point for a set. But I'm concerned that if behind, falls behind early, he's going to roll over. And I do think Alcaraz, after that dominant showing he had against Musetti, I think he's ready to go for another easy win here against Sissipas. But it's mostly the value. You have a 4-0 guy in the head-to-head. Beating a guy that he's owned historically in straight sets to plus one thirty seven. I'm going to take it for the value. So once again, the lock for the quarterfinals will be on Rude moneyline against Rune at minus one twenty five, and the dog will be Alcaraz to win in straight sets against Sixty Pass at plus one thirty seven on Bet three six five. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Tennis Gambling Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at riceshaw Radio. You can find me on the NBA Show, the MLB Show the WNBA show, the NFL show, you get the point. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.